0: know that we're on this journey uh, through January, and February and probably into March that we've called the discipleship. Uh, just stick us back on the, on the heading for a moment, the discipleship way, journeying with Jesus. And we're going to come to that in a moment. And I've got a, uh, before we look at some pictures, thank you for reminding me that they're there though Richard, that's good, I might have forgotten. Um, we've been talking about the fact that salvation is a free gift of God. It's very easy actually to be saved and to accept Jesus offer, but living the life of a disciple is much more challenging. And we've been talking about what that means. And we've been talking a lot about giving and taking, about the cost, about the challenge, about the cross, carrying our cross. It's been quite a hard journey the last few weeks. So this morning, I wanted to give you something that I'm calling the comfort of a disciple. Uh, I could have called it um, the reward of a disciple, but we're calling it the comfort of a disciple. And you'll see why in a moment. But before that, I want to give you an update on some of the money that we gave at Christmas. And uh, we gave quite a a sum of money to our mission partner in Liberia, in northwest Africa, Emmanuel Jonah. That's not him, but that's two young men in his evangelism training program that he's been running in Ignite all across Liberia. And there are 100 or so Bibles, the first instalment we've given him money for around about, I think, close to 600 New Testaments and Psalms. And that's the first 100 of them have been sent up to Nimba County. You all know your Liberia geography really well, I'm sure. So you know exactly where that is. That's up towards the northeast of about 250 kilometers from where Emmanuel is based in Monrovia but that's the first installment of Bibles that are going out across the nation to his young men and women who have training in evangelism and mission, and their heart's desire is to put those Bibles into the hands of uh, either new believers who haven't got a Bible yet, or not yet believers who might encounter Jesus as they read Scripture. And uh, on your behalf, Peter and I, um, I wasn't going to say we sweated blood, but we weren't far off that in trying to actually get them there. So it's exciting to see these Bibles and released into the nation. You'll also know that at Christmas we gave a sizable amount of money into the nation of Israel, and we did that in two places. If you, if you are part of our social media, a few weeks ago you saw some of the m- money spent that we gave to a school project in a hotel in Nazareth. Uh, for Jewish children evacuated from the borders uh, into Nazareth and they were living in a hotel. A school was there but with no resources and we've helped give some money to that. Half of our money went to a trusted friend of mine called Sam Kawane, living just outside Jerusalem, who ministers to, um, to Arabs, ministers into the West Bank, ministers into Gaza. It took us a lot more time getting the money into his hands we've eventually done that as well and he is using that money strategically particularly with Arabs particularly with people from Gaza uh, and it's going to be a challenge it'll be, have to be a drip feed because we don't as you know from the news you don't want to just lob money willy-nilly into Gaza we never know what that might be used for but he's he's been reaching out to families and individuals already using some of the money that we've given him and i just wanted to talk give you one example of one man that he's been reaching this man's name is mizar bisuni 10 years ago in 2014 he lives in gaza 10 years ago in 2014 his house was hit by a rocket and a large chunk of shrapnel went into his stomach he was declared dead. In fact, he was left in a, a mortuary, cold room. But miracle upon miracles, he, he wasn't dead. He came back to life. He's a Muslim. And the last 10 years, he has spent in hospitals in Gaza, in Turkey, and in Jerusalem. On 7th of October, when the attack happened in Israel, he was receiving treatment in a, in a hospital in Jerusalem. And he hasn't been able to get back to Gaza since then. And so for those last three or four months, he's been taken in by another Muslim family in Jericho. All these Bible names in Jericho. uh, Who've looked after him. They've let him live in their garage. But they haven't really got enough money to help him or to do anything to actually progress his life. So a Christian family who have been witnessing to that Muslim family and to this man put them in contact with Sam, who's the man who's got our money in his pocket. <laughs> and he has uh, taken Mizou and said, in the name of Jesus, we want to bless you. We want to buy you some new clothes. There he is on the right buying the first set of new clothes, different clothes that he's worn since October the 7th. He's been washing his clothes overnight and putting on the same clothes every day. And we bought him some food and some toiletries, uh, some pyjamas and things like that. So that's just one story. There'll be some more. There's another story of a family, uh, uh, an Arab family that I haven't got a time to tell you about. But we are hoping that we have got some connections to actually make a difference in Gaza. We found a way that we can connect into Gaza and get money safely there into the hands of people who can use it. Problem is, there's nothing in Gaza for them to buy. So they can't get food, they can't get water, they can't get clothing. I spoke to Sam, our friend, uh, two days ago, and he said he had a family who spent all day... Nine in the morning till six in the evening in Gaza trying to source a can of baked beans. Eventually found one at about quarter past six in the evening from searching all day long. So we'll keep you informed about that. But, but you just need to know that the money that we're generously giving as a church is making a difference into real lives and real situations. And we want to hear, don't we, not just that we're giving physical relief and clothes to people. We want to hear that we're clothing them in the gospel of Jesus as well. Amen. If you have your Bible with you, turn to John chapter 14. If you were with us this time last year, and some of you were and some of you won't, we spent quite a bit of time in January, February last year, looking at John's gospel, and we touched on some of the things in John chapter 14, but it's such a helpful chapter as we're talking about being a disciple and journeying with Jesus that it's worth a revisit 12 months on just to fit into our sermon series. So I'm going to read some selected verses from John 14. They won't be on the screen yet. We'll go through them in a moment, but we'll just leave that title up. I'm going to read from John 14, reading from verse 2 till 7, and then I'll tell you where I'm going to jump to next. So John John 14, verse 2. Remember, we're trying to base all of this as much as we can on the words of Jesus and the response of those first disciples to his words. So John 14, verse 2. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you, I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me if you really knew me you would know my father as well from now on you do know him and have seen him now I'm jumping down to verse 12 I tell you the truth anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing he will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the father and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the son may bring glory to the father you may ask for anything in my name and I will do it. If you love me you will obey what I command. And I will give you and I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans I will come to you. Then we jump down to verse 23 to 27. Jesus replied, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the father will send in my name, will teach you all things And will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So, unlike most of the other passages that we've been reading in the last few weeks, this is happening towards the end of Jesus' ministry time with the disciples. We've spent a lot of time talking about what it means to be called, what Jesus said, how the disciples take steps of faith, how they're obedient, how they leave behind one life and step into a new life. And here we're talking about Jesus beginning to brief them for the time when he's no longer going to be present with them on earth. And most Bibles, I don't know what, what your Bible might call it, but most Bibles, the, the, the paragraph heading they give this is Jesus comforts the Disciples. So that's why I've called it this morning the comfort of being a disciple. And just sensing that um, having, having hammered home this challenge of discipleship the last few weeks, that we need a little bit of comfort, we need a little bit of TLC, we need a little bit of encouragement this morning. So that's why we're going to talk about the comfort of being a disciple. And I've got a few things that I want to encourage you with, that should bring bring comfort to you this morning. First of these is that as Jesus is talking to his disciples, and remember, we have a liberty now to believe when Jesus was talking to his disciples then, he's still talking to his disciples now. And the first thing is that Jesus talks about a prepared place. A prepared place. These words, you're familiar with these words, you know these, are quite often read at a funeral service as the hope of what's to come. And Jesus says this, In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you I'm going there to do what? To prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you may also be where I am. And so one of our great comforts is that although Jesus isn't with us physically, the reason he isn't with us physically, he has gone ahead of us to prepare a place for us. I don't know how big or small your house is. Well, mostly I do. I've been to most of your houses. But you know if you've ever been... On a day trip somewhere, or you've been on holiday and you've visited a stately home, or a mansion, or a palace, and you've wandered around and you've you've, you've thought, "Is this never going to end?" Room after room after room. Jill and I, when we were in Berlin, was it no? Where was it? Ost- Vienna, wasn't it? Last year, we went to a place. Can't even remember what it was called. Some posh. Austrian palace, anyway. You can tell it. I loved it. <laughs> but it was it was massive, and it was room after. And we were on this guided tour, and I was thinking, how many more rooms are we going to go into? But there's this there's this picture that Jesus paints of his father's eternal house. And goodness, gracious me, there is a room prepared in that for you. Isaac and Yvonne, there's a room prepared in heaven for you. It's got furniture in it. (laughs) Amen. Text, there's a room in heaven prepared for you. Mike and Hazel, add your name in here. There is a cat, there is a room in heaven prepared for you. And so Jesus is speaking to his disciples and saying, hey, guys, I'm not going to be around for a while, but, but you're going to see me again, and I'm going ahead of you. And just as certain as I'm saying this to you, I'm going to be taking you with me on that journey. And I want you to take comfort in that. You haven't got to make your own booking. Don't go on booking.com, lastminute.com, and try to find rooms in heaven. They ain't on there. (laughs) I'm surprised myself sometimes at the things I say. I, I, I like that one. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put that in the sermon when I get back home for the next time I preach it. God has already made a booking for you. Isn't that astonishing? Some of you are sitting there and we know there's tough things going on. John, Sarah, our heart goes out to you. And sometimes they are thinking, oh, are we really loved? Does God really know what's going on? Is, has he got our future in control? Yeah. In your heavenly email inbox, there's already a reservation with your name on. Jesus goes to prepare a place for everyone who's following him as a disciple. It's that picture from family life in the Middle East that families would quite often live as an extended family. And the Father would prepare a place for new family members, married family members. And God has given them this image that they understand of hope for the future. An eternal dwelling place in the new heaven and the new earth. And the second comfort that we can take is the comfort of what I call a powerful purpose. We talked about this a lot a year ago when we were in John's Gospel. I tell you the truth. If Jesus i on the way, the truth and the life, and then he, he enforces it by saying, I tell you the truth, chances are what he's saying is true. Yes? I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing. That's a step back moment for the disciples. You've been doing miracles, Jesus. You've been doing healings. You've been, you've been speaking incredible words of life into people's you've transformed people and communities and now you're saying we could do the same as you that astonishing and he takes it a step further he will do even greater things than these because i am going to the father we did a whole sermon 12 months ago you have to go find it online about greater things And saying that the chances are that many, many faithful followers of Jesus today have perhaps taken the gospel to more countries than Jesus visited. Have spoken to to even larger crowds than Jesus has spoken to. Have spent more time in ministry than Jesus has done. Of course, the reality is Jesus is in them. So everything they're doing, Jesus is there and is with them anyway. But just be encouraged again, take comfort from that Jesus, your saviour, the person that we focused on, his sacrifice and his love and his power at the cross, is saying to you, if you follow me and you call yourself a disciple, I'm going to give you the power and the presence to do even greater things than I have done. I don't know about you, I don't often feel like I'm a greater things person. To be honest, do you feel like you could do greater things than Jesus? But that's what this scripture tells us. Really, I will do even greater things through you than I have done on my own volition here. So a prepared place, a powerful purpose. God wants you and me to be involved in his ministry of of reconciliation and redemption until he comes back again and claims the church as his bride. A couple of weeks' time, somewhere in the next few weeks, Pastor Ben's going to be preaching on the commissioning of a disciple. And we're going to talk about the call, the commission, the responsibility The invitation that God gives us to partner with Him. We'll unpack that a little bit more. But you have a powerful purpose. More than a prepared place, more than a powerful purpose. You've got this the opportunity to prevail in prayer, to push on, to overcome, to be determined in prayer life. I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Now, sometimes when we're shallow, when we're immature, when we're young as believers, we read that as fantastic. I can ask God for anything, and he'll give it to me. I can ask God for a Rolls Royce. I can ask God for a million pounds in the bank. I can ask God for, you know, for a to be a famous TV star or whatever it might be. But those things aren't necessarily asking in my name. And so when we come to our prayer life as a disciple, there's a freedom and an authority in it, a guarantee that if we ask in the name of Jesus, he will answer our prayers. But there's also a limitation. We have to ask in the name of Jesus, and that means with his heart, with his wisdom, with his insight, we don't just arbitrarily say a selfish prayer and stick the name of Jesus on the end of it, because that's likely not to be answered. And remember, all the way through their discipleship journey, Jesus is teaching them what powerful tools he is putting in their hands. And one of them is praying in my name, says Jesus. And just want to remind you the importance and significance of prayer in the life of our church. Pastor Ben's already mentioned it. We We haven't forgotten that for those that are able to do, you can give an hour a week into the life of praying for this church. Yesterday, we launched with the, uh, our Sunday teams, our volunteer teams, and our, our intercessory team, the idea that every meal of the week, we would like covered by somebody agreeing to pray and fast for the life of the church. If you'd like to know a little bit more about that, come and speak to me. Actually, I, brought, I wasn't going to mention it, but I have them. We brought the, the, the sign-up sheet at the back. So if you could think, if you think, hey on a Tuesday lunchtime or a Thursday evening, I'm willing to fast, miss a meal, and, in, and invest that time into praying in the name of Jesus for the life of our church, then, then we'd love you to join us. And wouldn't it be good to know that every time we sit down for a meal, we can say somebody in our church around this time is praying and fasting for the life and ministry of New Life Church. So if you'd like to do that, come and find us afterwards. But I hope that's a comfort to you, that you can have a prevailing prayer life. Your, life. your prayer life can take off. Why? Because Jesus is giving you an invitation to pray in his name, to pray bold, authoritative prayers. Not because you're great, but because God's great. Not because your name is significant, but because the name of Jesus is significant. And he's given you that opportunity, that invite. So we've had a prepared place, a powerful purpose, a prevailing prayer. Just hope that those of you who love everything in order and everything is with the same word are appreciating the effort it's took me this week to do everything with two Ps. And the next one is this. A personal presence jesus says this and i will ask the father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever the spirit of truth the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you we don't know the look on the face of the disciples when jesus says i'm not going to be with you for much longer but human nature probably tells us there was a few worried faces. There was a few shocked faces. Hold on, we're living a dream. I, th- I thought this was going to be like this forevermore. Jesus warns the disciples three times that he's got to face the cross, that the Son of Man will, will, will be crucified and die and rise again on the third day. And every time he says it, they don't quite understand what he's talking about. And this whole thing, why is he comforting them? Because he's not going to be physically with them. And so he gets to this place and he says, but God, the Father, I'm going to ask him and he will provide you another counsellor. Some translations, your Bible might say another comforter. And Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit. That when he goes to heaven, God will give us his presence, his personal presence living in us. And the word there in the Greek for another emphasizes this is another that's exactly the same, of the same quality, the same standard, the same characteristics. So Jesus isn't saying, I'm going to heaven, I'll but second best the holy spirit's going to turn up and try try to help out he's saying here comes the holy spirit he is in every way god's presence as i am he is as he is much divine as i am he is as much personality as i am it's it's like it's saying this it is the holy spirit is god's presence in your life Remember, Old Testament, God turned up occasionally, powerfully into the life of people. The Christmas promise, God with us. The Holy Spirit promise, God in us. Things are really notched up. And the Holy Spirit is God's presence in your life. He's God's personal presence, He's a He, He has a personality. He wants to be your counselor, your guide, your comforter, your mission director. That's who he is. That's who he wants to be in your life. He's God's personal presence. He's God's personal holy presence. He's called the Holy Spirit because he is holy, because he's perfect, because he's set apart, because he wants you to have that same level of holiness in your life that God has remember I keep hammering this home and it's so helpful God loves you just as you are but he doesn't want you to stay like it he wants you to be more like Jesus and so as the Holy Spirit comes into our life he helps us to be more like Jesus He helps us to think more like Jesus, to act more like Jesus, to treat other people more like Jesus, to have spiritual insight and wisdom from heaven more like Jesus. So the Holy Spirit is God's personal, holy, powerful presence. See, sometimes as Pentecostals, we're all about the power of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, but we want to jump to that before we talk about God's personal presence in our life, before we want to talk about God's holy presence in our life. And when we, when we understand those, we realize that the Holy Spirit gives with us, that do, gives us that dynamis, that dynamite power that can only come through him. How can we do greater things than Jesus? Through the same Holy Spirit that manifested himself in all that Jesus did. So be comforted this morning. Jesus might not be physically in this building, but he lives in us by his spirit. And the Bible tells us that when two or three gather together, what, in the name of Jesus, he is there in our midst. So the comfort of being a disciple says we've got a prepared place, we've got a powerful purpose, we've got got the potential for prevailing prayer, we've got the personal presence of God in our life, and finally, we can have a perfect peace. It wasn't that long ago that peace was one of our Christmas themes, and we talked about the significance of peace, so I don't need to say loads about that, again, go back and find our Christmas series online, and there was a, it was, wasn't there, a whole Sunday morning on peace. I am right, I'm not just thinking that, am I? Yeah, 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 I'm sure there was. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah, thank you. So it was the Sunday morning where Benjo Productions came and did Heaven on, your, on Their Minds at Christmas. On the, Your Minds, Their Minds, Our Minds, Anybody's Minds, whoever... But one of the things we talked about there was a perfect peace. And Jesus says this, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. And I think Josie prayed this, Josie, she's up in the kids' work. I think she prayed this verse in our prayer meeting this morning. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And so Jesus is saying to the disciples, look, you're going, to go, you're going to go on an incredible roller coaster journey. Some of you are going to go to the ends of the earth in my name. Some of you are going to suffer the same fate that I suffer on a cross. Some of you are going to establish Christian communities and transform nations. It's going to be an incredible journey. And you're going to need to know that God's peace, God's heavenly peace, the peace that passes all understanding is going to be with you every step of the journey. I reckon that every one of us this week is going to be stepping into a situation where we could do with God's peace being evident. Isn't that right? Isn't that a great comfort, these words, if we really trust them and we really believe them. If you know Jesus, you can know peace. No Jesus? No peace. I've spelt no differently there than I did the first time. So I wonder this morning. In the theme of comfort. Why don't you just spend a little moment reflecting now. I think Ben's going to come up and encourage us to pray in a moment. But why don't you think, what's the comfort that you're getting from God right now? Is it the comfort of a prepared place that's awaiting you later rather than sooner, we hope? Is it the fact that Jesus is inviting you? into a powerful purpose in your life? Is it the fact that you can prevail in prayer and use the name of Jesus in any situation that you face? Is it that great comfort of knowing there is a comforter who wants to live in you, God himself, the Holy Spirit, bringing you his personal, holy, powerful presence into your existence. Or is it that peace, that perfect peace, peace with God, peace with God's people, peace with the world around you, peace with your past, peace with your future, at peace with the storms of life that surround you right now, at peace with yourself. (music) Thank <music> you.